Good morning. How are you, my church? I am excited to be sharing with you today, and I want to say up front, we are a church that believes in reaching men. Here's why. If you reach a child, you have a 20% chance of changing a family. If you reach a woman, you have a 50% chance of changing a family. You reach a man, and you have a 90% chance of that family's life being changed. And so you see a lot of military guys up here in the band. You see my wild, crazy husband. But every now and then, every six to eight weeks, he asks me to come and share. I think women, so you don't feel like we forget about you and you kind of get a woman's perspective. Although this week, I'm quite certain he had an ulterior motive because when I started studying week three's topic for freeway, I said, "Uh uh-huh, I know what he's up to because I am so good at pointing out all of Jeff's faults. I am not so good at pointing out my faults. And so as I dug into this week, I just want to give you a warning up front. Today may get messier before it gets better, okay? We're going to go to some messy places, but then I promise you at the end, we're going to come out in some good places. Um, Jeff is speaking this morning for a friend of his. Two things I love about Jeff. One is this. He is a loyal friend. It doesn't matter what you do to him. He's going to be your friend forever. He's speaking at um, a church in the county. Any of you drive from Harris County, you need to stop in there sometime. It's a little old country church that is full of life and young people. 20 years ago, Jeff made friends with their pastor. His name is Tommy Hart. And um, Jeff said, Tommy, I want you to help me reach kids. And Tommy said, I can't reach kids. My life is a mess. My life's been a mess. And Jeff said, that's why I'm picking you. The other thing I love about my husband is he loves messy people. Nobody's story is too messy for him. He believes the best in everybody that God can use you no matter where you've been and what you've done. I'm always not so graceful. There was a season in our lives where I said, Jeff, you cannot be friends with Tommy anymore. And I'm not going to tell you the story, but it has to do with um, a knife and super glue and somebody's rear end. And we're just going to leave it at that, okay? (laughs) But 20 years later, they are still friends. And when Tommy needed help, Jeff said, I'll be there. Um, so this morning, if you have these notes, you can draw the ugliest picture ever of Jeff Murphy and he will never, ever know it. Okay. It'll be our little secret. Now I'm excited about today. We are in week three of the freeway series. Two weeks ago, about 60 leaders came and prayed over this lobby and prayed for you and for your hearts. These are amazing men and women who have stepped up and said, you know what, I don't have what it takes, but I'm going to trust God to provide what it takes. And they started freeway groups. And when you showed up, the lobby was crazy. There were balloons and people were lobbying for you to sign up for their group. And then over the course of the last couple of weeks, groups have been meeting here at church and they've also been meeting in homes. People of all ages, all sizes, shapes, colors, everything. And we are having a good time. And if you have not yet joined a group, it is not too late. In fact, today, I think you're going to be motivated to take a step of action that at the very least, get you a freeway book and go through it with a friend or a family member. But you can show up tonight and be a part of a group. We have a women's group here. We have a co-ed group. We have two, a, a young married couple and a older, wiser married couple, not older, wiser married couple group that meet here on Sunday nights and you can be a part of that. I want to say thank you to all of our leaders who are making a difference. You truly are making a difference in the lives of people here in our church. Week one of Freeway was simply an invitation. Everybody join us. You're all invited to the party. 
Week two, Jeff talked about awareness. He talked about slowing down just enough to be able to hear God's voice and tell the difference between the lies that you're being told and the truth. This week is discovery, where we are going to look under the covers of our perfectly made you know how you make your bed perfect when company's coming over, but you shove everything underneath and you hope that nobody looks? All right? We do that in our lives, too. We shove everything underneath the bed. We look perfect. We come to church. We sound perfect. We sound happy. But we got a bunch of junk that is hidden under our bed. I do it with my car. Jeff makes fun of me every time he drives my car. He's like, baby, your car's making a noise. How long has it been doing that rattle? I'm like, oh yeah, I heard that noise. I just turned the radio up and then the noise went away. (laughs) So I did that this week. Did you know that little light that comes on in your car that looks like an exclamation point with two parentheses around it? Do you know what that means? That means your tire's losing air. Well, I didn't know that. I just thought, oh, it's another light. It's another, you know, today's cars, they're so electrical. It's just, you know, it's just a break in the wire or something. A couple days later, my tire is flat. And Jeff said, baby, how long has that warning light been on in your car? I'm like, I don't know, a few days. He said, if you would have told me on day one, I could have just patched your tire. But because you waited five days and ignored the warning light, now we need a brand new tire. That's what we're talking about this morning. Instead of just ignoring the warning signs and moving on because life is busy or because we're compelled to pretend or cover up, we are going to look at some warning signs. We're going to pull up the covers, look under the bed this morning, and we're going to deal with some stuff that many, many times we would rather not deal with. This church, you may know it or not, is led by a board of awesome men that are some of the greatest leaders in this country. I'm talking they've led Samaritan's Purse. They've led John Maxwell's leadership organization. We are blessed with some leaders. One of the things that they mandate is that Jeff and I go to counseling every year. Six weeks is all we're required. Last time we went, Allie said, y'all went just long enough to cause problems. (laughs) You need to go back and finish. You didn't get better. You got worse, okay? So I want you to hang on with me because this might become more painful before it gets better, but be patient. Be patient with the other people that you love, that you brought with you. This is a process. This freeway thing is a process. It's a seven-week thing, and in the end, we're all going to be better for it, all right? I'm going to ask you to do something that may be a little awkward and uncomfortable for you, something we've never done at my church, all right? And it is this. In just a minute, we're going to all stand together. We are standing and sitting so much, you're going to think you're in Catholic church, all right? I wanted to just make some of y'all feel at home, because some of you I know grew up like that. Um, We're going to stand, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture together, okay? I know that for a lot of us, if we're new to the Bible, it's scary, it's hard to understand, it's just easier to leave it closed, because if you open it up, you might not be able to pronounce those words, and I'll just come and let Jeff explain it to me, all right? But here's what I believe about God's word with all my heart. I believe that there is power in those words. God used words to create this universe out of nothing. When Jesus was on earth and there was a big storm and people were about to sink, he used words. He said two words I say to my kids, be still. And everything got still. He called a guy's name one time and just the words coming out of his mouth brought that man from death back to life. And as we discover some of these things that are going to be a little bit difficult and a little bit painful, it is going to take the word of God to bring healing. 
Some of us need to start speaking it in the quiet of the night over our home, over our kids, over our marriage. There is power in the spoken word of God. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. We're going to do the opposite of what Dr. Seuss said. Dr. Seuss said you can read with your eyes shut. We're going to pray with our eyes open. And we're going to look at a psalm, Psalms 139. And we're going to pray parts of this together with our eyes open. And you can follow along with me on the screen. Are you all ready? We can do this, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. I just want to pause for a minute. Can you believe that? Ladies, he knows every dumb thing that we are ever going to say. And he still loves you, all right? Let's keep going. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that is offensive to you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Stay standing while we pray. God, this is our prayer to you. We say corporately together, God, search us and know our hearts. See if there's any offensive way in us and God set us free today. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. You guys did good. Very good. That wasn't so painful, was it? A couple of things from that passage, just to kind of give you hope before I unload on you these things that we're going to discover. God has already searched every corner of your heart. The beginning of that said he has searched you and he knows you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows every word before you speak it. He knows every day of your life before it ever happens. He knows everything about you and still he thinks about you constantly. More than there is sand on the seashore and his thoughts are not to harm you. His thoughts are to give you a hope and a future. All right, so just rest assured. It said, if I go to heaven, he's there. If I go down to the pit of hell, he's there. He goes before me and behind me. Meaning if I'm following him, he's there always so I know where to go. If I'm running from him, he's chasing after me. So no matter where you are or where you've come from, whether you're running toward him or running away from him, he loves you. He knows everything about you. And we're gonna do a little heart inspection this morning where we look inside and discover some of the things that may be lurking below the surface and take a first step towards breaking free from those things. 
Uh, we had a little scare in my family this week. My dad had open heart surgery about seven years ago, and he had five bypasses, which is a lot. And um, he had noticed lately that he had had some stuff going on. His face was a little redder. He got out of breath. He was tired. And I was up there visiting him last weekend, and I thought, you know, dad doesn't look so great, but he had a cold, and he's been working a lot more. You know, maybe he's, I don't, you know, you don't want to tell your dad you look terrible. Um, so anyways, he was going to go on a trip this weekend to California, and he decided maybe, just maybe, I should go to my heart doctor and get checked out. And so he went in um, Friday, and the doctor said, your bypasses are clear, but there's this branch artery down here on the left side, and the whole left side of your heart is not getting blood because of this blockage down here. And had you just gone on with your schedule, you would have had a heart attack any day. But since you came in and discovered the problem, they were able to put just a little stint in, and 24 hours later, he was eating bear claws at Panera Bread again, which I'm like, Dad, quit eating the bear claws. Um, the same is true in our lives. We have things that are in our heart, and we're so busy, and we're moving, and we feel the need sometimes to cover up that if we don't take time to discover them and deal with them, there's going to be a crash or explosion. But if we take a little bit of time to pry and discover what's in there, God has some very simple steps to set us free. And that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to read you a list of um, symptoms that um, maybe or maybe not are in your life. One is this pretending. If you find yourself pretending a lot to be something that you're not, or just covering up a little, or just making life sound better than it is, um, you might have one of these hearts problems. If you find yourself um, what I call friendly fire, where you're nice to everybody else and then you come home and it's like, bah, 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 like you're shooting everybody on your own team, you might have one of these heart issues going on. If you find that you're worried a lot or stressed a lot or fearful a lot, that's an indication that something's going on. If you find that you can't sleep without melatonin, that's an indication that something's going on in here. If you find that you just have a hard time being happy for other people or you kind of feel like everybody else's life is good and yours isn't, you're kind of miserable, that's an indication that something's wrong in your heart. Um, or if you find that when people point out faults in your life and you're very quick to make excuses and blame other people, all of those are symptoms. And most every one of us in this room could check something off of that list. And it's an indication of a heart issue. A great pastor wrote a great book um, several years back. It was called Discovering the Monsters Within. And I'm going to talk to you about four of those monsters, and then I'm going to add two more, one that is true in my life and one that's true in Jeff's life. And I think by the end, we're going to probably hit everybody, okay? The first monster within is a little monster called guilt. Guilt is shown by the symptom of pretending, Guilt is simply when you have done something that you know is wrong and you feel so bad about it. You have this, you create this debt-debtor relationship with all your people that you love where you feel like, I owe you. I've done wrong. I'm so ashamed. I wish I could take it back. And I owe you something. And I just can't get over the fact that I feel guilty. I've said, I'm sorry. It's just not going away. I owe you. I need to make it up to you. 
And you're carrying a burden of trying to make it up to people that you love. And I want to share with you just a, a simple word. The way that God sets us free from guilt is a word called confession. Take a look at James chapter 5 with me. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, you can ask God in private to forgive you, and he absolutely will. He'll remove your sins as far as the east is from the west, and he'll forgive you. But if you want to be healed and be set free, you have to confess it to another person who can pray with you and help you get over that secret thing that you're carrying and that you're struggling with. God doesn't want you to just be forgiven. He wants you to be healed and that comes from confessing to other people. Um, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says it like this. He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. I say it to my kids like this. I say, whatever you cover, God's going to uncover. But whatever you uncover, God will cover. And if you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden when they first sinned and they felt ashamed and guilty, they tried to cover themselves up. They tried to cover their nakedness with leaves. Imagine walking in here today with a dress of leaves. I mean, in a matter of a couple days, they'd be dry and crinkly and falling off. And God said, no, I'm going to make the first sacrifice. He sacrificed an animal and clothed them in animal skins. Would you rather wear leaves or would you rather come in here with a fur coat on? His covering is far better than your covering. And what you hold in secret will master you. If you want to be healed from a secret sin or a sin that you feel guilty about, you've got to confess it to other people. The second monster that lurks within is a monster called anger. Anger is something we see when we have a lot of friendly fire at home, when we're, we can control ourselves around everybody else, but we come home and we just let the people we love have it. We just unleash on them. I want to say something to you if you live with an angry person. Here's something you need to know. Show me somebody who's angry, and I will show you somebody who has been hurt by something they've lost. Early in our marriage, I used to really judge Jeff for getting angry and passionate and being loud until I realized the root of that is coming from the fact that his mother was taken from him early and he has this fear that we're going to be taken from him. And so when we do stupid things and I don't tell him the car's making noises, he fears like for my life and that results in, in anger. Anger is also the feeling like you owe me. It creates this debt that you owe me. You have taken the best years of my life. You have ruined our family. You made me lose that job. And you just can't get away from this anger that somebody stole something from you. And you just can't let that debt go. I just want to ask you, if you find yourself angry a lot, how long do you want somebody else to control your life? It's like you've handed over the remote control and they're controlling you. And sometimes the person you're angry with, you don't even see them anymore. They've moved on. They don't even know they made you angry. They don't even know they took something from you. Here's what God says is the solution, the way that we beat anger. It's simply this, forgiveness. 
forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, all those harsh words that we say to the people we love, do they ever accomplish anything? You feel good for a second because you just lost control, you vented, but you don't ever get anywhere, do you? You end up saying things you wish you'd never said that you can't take back. The way to change somebody is not through harsh words and anger. If you want to change somebody, you know what the scripture says? It says kindness leads to repentance. Be kind, be tender-hearted. That's how you create change in another person is through kindness. Jesus has some very harsh words towards those of us who find it very difficult or impossible to forgive. And I know some of you have difficult stories. You maybe had a father who took something from you or a mother who abandoned you and you feel like your childhood was stolen or your opportunities in life were stolen or you were shorted in some way. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 15. He says, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Those are harsh words. I'm like, wait a minute, God. I thought your love for us and your forgiveness was unconditional. And you're telling me that if I can't forgive, then I won't be forgiven? Here's why, I think. Because if you've really experienced the forgiveness of God, like you believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin. The debt was completely canceled. If you've really experienced that, and you turn around and you can't give that to somebody else, what you're saying is, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, but I don't believe you died for theirs. In other words, I'm going to make my husband pay for everything that Jesus already paid for on the cross. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. When we tell somebody that we love, you owe me, you owe me a debt, Who are we to say, you owe me a debt that Jesus canceled on the cross? And so I think the heart of the matter was Jesus was trying to say, if you really, really believe that what I did on the cross is complete and made payment for sin, then you can't turn around and not forgive somebody if you believe that the payment was made through me. Forgiveness is what sets us free. From anger. Some of us need to go home today. We need to write a letter of forgiveness to somebody, or we need to go get face to face with somebody and say those words, I forgive you. I have a brother in law whose father left him when he was six months old. He carried this anger for years and years, and when he became a dad and had his own six month old, it got worse. And he finally decided he was going to deal with it, and he wrote out a letter to his dad how angry he was, all the ways his dad had wronged him and what he had stolen and taken from him. And at the end, he said, I forgive you. And then he never mailed it. And I said, why didn't you mail it? And he's like, what what good, why would I make my dad pay? I'm sure he feels rotten for what he did. What can I say or do that would make him pay? Jesus paid it, and I'm going to forgive him, and I'm going to get these feelings out, but I'm never going to send it. Some of you maybe need to write a letter like that today where you forgive someone 
and never mail it, just so you can be free. The next um, monster that lurks in our heart is something that's kind of slippery. It's called greed. The reason this one is difficult to identify is because we can say, I feel so guilty or I'm just so angry, but none of us ever go around and say, I'm just so greedy. You ever say that? But if you find yourself worried all the time, worried that there's going to be enough for your kids to go to college, worried that you're going to be able to retire someday, worried about how you're going to pay your bills at the end of the month, there's a good chance that greed may be something that you struggle with. If you talk about money a lot, if you make decisions based on money alone, if you are reluctant to share with other people, or if you are constantly reminding other people, greed doesn't have to be financial. I'm constantly reminding my kids, do you know how much I sacrificed you and I gave up my whole weekend to go to your swim meet? That is a greedy attitude. When you just can't serve for free, you got to remind people what you did for them. See, greed is not a financial issue. Greed is a heart issue. And the way that we break free from greed, greed says, I owe me. i got to get what I can while I can. I owe me. The way that we break free from greed is simply by being generous. And not just a little bit generous. Listen, I know because I, I struggled with this one. Poor Jeff, I married him with the grip of greed. And he had to teach me how to unleash and how to give. And I'm not talking about give a little bit, but like give till it was funny. He would make me sometimes write a check and just unload our whole bank account. I'm like, are you kidding me? We don't even know this person. I'd be so mad. I'd write that check. I'd watch it going down the, in the offering bucket. And I think there goes my leather chair. Like I just... I couldn't do it happy. God says do it until you can be happy about it. See, greed is a, a heart issue that really comes from a root, a deeper root of fear. What we're saying when we're greedy is, God, I don't trust you to take care of me. When we first got married and Jeff would make me write checks to the church, I would write like $47.62. And Jeff was like, Christy, come on. Do you really think to the God of the universe that he can't make up the extra 38 cents? So I have to force myself because I struggle with this. I have to, when I write a check to somebody, I have to like round up by 50 and add 100 because I know I have the propensity to go back to this place of worry. Here's what the scripture says about greed or about being generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there'll not only be enough for your own needs, but you'll have plenty left over to give joyfully to others. You break the grip of greed, you get set free by being generous. Some of us need to go find somebody today and just be generous, so generous that it messes up your monthly payments this month where you have to rely on God to come through because the scripture says he's able. He's able to do that. The next little monster in our heart is a thing called jealousy. You might be jealous if you cannot celebrate for other people when good things happen to them. Like when your best friend makes homecoming court and you don't, 
in the seventh grade, and she walks out in front of the whole school in her fancy dress, and you're looking at her, and you might have said to her face, I'm so happy for you, but behind the scenes, you're like, why did she pick a pink taffeta dress with ruffles? All right, that was me in the seventh grade. And then um, you get married and have kids, and they, like, repeat your sins. Um, Ashley got first runner-up in a spelling bee, and I watched her walk up to the little boy who won and say, congratulations, I'm so happy for you. And then she got in the car with me, and she's like, I hope he gets sick. Like, not sick and die, but, like, sick enough to not get out of bed. Or maybe he could move to Australia. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness, how did she know that was in me? How did I duplicate myself and someone else? See, jealousy is this relationship where I, it's not that I'm mad that that person got blessed. I'm mad that God skipped me. My issue is not with the person I'm jealous of. My real issue is with God. I feel like God owes me. God, I've been doing good. You owe me. I don't want you to not give Chad a new house. I just want you to give me one just like his. And our real issue when it comes to jealousy is not so much with another person because you can celebrate others and that will help set you free. I can go up to Chad and tell him how glad I am that he has a new house. But what I really need to do to break the grip of greed is to get on my knees and say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. Here's what the scripture says. It says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, tell God what you need. That'll change your wants. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace. You want to be free from being jealous, from being miserable? Get on your knees every morning and thank God. Thank God that you live in a country where you can worship him. Thank him that you have a roof over your head. Thank him that you have a husband you can't stand. At least you have one there helping and providing, all right? The next um, monster that lurks in our heart is something that if you have listened so far and you have said to yourself, "Mm, I don't don't think I really have any of those, you may have this one, and it's called being self-righteous. And this is another one that I know well because I have struggled with much of my life. Self-righteousness says everyone owes me. God, I'm doing so good. I'm following you. I'm so right. Do you know what the scripture says? It says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. So I hold all my good stuff up to God, and he's like, all that stuff compared to my holiness is nothing. Or, God, have you seen my sacrifice? Do you know what I've been doing for you? Have you seen my sacrifice? You know what the scripture says? It says, God doesn't delight in our righteousness. He didn't delight in our sacrifice. He delights in a broken spirit. He delights in repentance. And I was sitting back this week, and I was thinking, God, how do we break this one? This is that ugly one where, like, we judge others, but not ourselves, We um, blame others, but when somebody points out our faults, we're real quick to make excuses. We always have a reason. 
And I think for us, this is worse than being guilty of something. I mean, it takes a more drastic step because if you've been guilty of doing wrong, he says to confess. I think if you struggle with self-righteousness, it is more than just a confession. It is a repentance that needs to take place. Like you've been headed in this direction, showing God how awesome you are and how awesome everything is that you're doing for him. We need to turn the opposite way. And we need to focus on the thing that he loves most, and that is lost and sinful people. See, most of my life, I didn't even know anybody that wasn't a Christian. I went to a Christian hair lady. I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian doctor. I went to a Christian dentist. I didn't know it. You know, we stayed away from the lost people. And then I married Jeff Murphy. And we were surrounded by hellions. (laughs) And it was the most fun I ever had in my life. Because I got to see the power of God at work, changing somebody's life from darkness into light. And it was like, wow, this is messy, but this is how I want to spend my life, and this is how I want to raise my kids. And is it scary at times? Absolutely. I get so angry at people that come into this church, and this is why I'm not allowed to have a Facebook Because people come in and they're like, I'm just not growing. I just sit here and I go to group and I sit there and I'm just, I don't know, I'm not growing. And I want to say, show me the last three months of your life. Show me one person that you've helped cross the line from darkness into light. You want to grow? You go serve a sinner. You go find the messiest person and get involved in their life. You want to see the power of God at work? You do what Jesus came to do. You know what Jesus said to people like me who are self-righteous? He said, your lips say all kind of good stuff, but your heart, it's far from me. Because the scripture says that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. He said, you self-righteous people, you don't need me. I'm going hard after the people who are covered up in guilt and shame, those are the people I'm going to spend my time with. And those of us who are self-righteous, we're like, oh, but if I hang out with them, everybody's going to think I'm bad too. That's what Jesus did. You want to experience his presence in your life, you do what he loves, which is serving sinners. You find the messiest, messed up person and invite them to lunch. After the last service, a woman came up to me and her daughter said, Mommy, we don't have any sinners in our family. I don't think we have any sinners. And her mom was like, oh, baby, we're all sinners. And she goes, all right, then can you take me to lunch afterwards? So if you have kids in here, they may hit you up for that. The last one, um, the last little monster that that lurks in there under the surface is something called identity. And this is the one that if you have listened to this list and you felt overwhelmed, like, I have all of them then you probably have this one. This is the one that makes you stressed out and fearful. The one that makes you feel like I owe everyone and you run around trying to please everyone. And the way that you break free from that is easy. God goes easy on you. He just says, come to me and rest and soak in my truth Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
Let me teach you and you will find rest for your souls. If you're struggling with identity, what God believes about you, what people believe about you, what you believe about yourself, do you know that when you make Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life and you are clothed in his son's righteousness, that everything God feels about his very own son, Jesus, he feels that about you? That's how he sees you. And he wants to set you free, but you're going to need to sit and you're going to need to soak in a lot of truth. You're going to need to do a lot of speaking God's word into areas of your life where you're believing things that are not true and not how God feels about you. For those of you who are going through the, the freeway group, in your book on page 85, there's a place for you to write down one of these things that you may be dealing with. Maybe it's greed, maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's self-righteousness, maybe it's identity, maybe it's anger. And the goal this week would be to take one step. Maybe you need to show up at group and say, I need to make a confession. Or maybe you need to show up at group and say, I need to forgive somebody. Will you hold me accountable to doing that? I tell you what, I've just been greedy with my stuff and I'm writing a check who needs it. The goal of this week is for you to take one step closer to being set free from these things that go undetected. And you could go on for a little while, but at some point, there's going to be a problem. You can do some patchwork now or you can wait till you have a full-on blowout. I'm going to ask our band to come, and they're going to do a couple of songs at the end, and it's going to rock your world, blow your mind. The purpose in us changing up this order of service is simply to give you time to make a response to God. And so as you stand and get ready to worship, I hope that you will pray and ask God, God, show me, reveal to me the things that are in my heart that I need to get free from. Several years ago, Jeff and I were doing this Bible study together and it asked you, what's your but statement? Not like B-U-T-T, like B-U-T. Meaning like, this dude, he was a great king, but he was greedy. This guy was a great leader, but he was jealous of everybody else. And I remember, you know, I was still really caught up in my self-righteousness and all the good stuff I was doing. I'm like, I don't really know that I have one. And so I just started at praying and asking God, God, show me what it is. Search me and know my heart. Point out what's offensive in there to you. And it was like rain came down in a deluge where all of a sudden, bam, bam, like God started revealing this stuff. Stuff I, I didn't even know I needed to be set free. So I'm going to invite you to stand we're going to worship together and we're going to ask God to lead us a few steps closer to him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in this worship time where we lift our voices and our hands to you, God, show us how big and mighty you are and God, reveal to us the hidden parts of our heart where we need to get freedom. Would you put a word in our head that we didn't realize was in our heart? And God, help us to take a step towards being free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.